little bit further. So, remember we started off and we talked about how one of the greatest events in history when the creator of the world came into the world and there was a sign up, no room. In fact, if you have a look at Jesus' ministry, right through his life there was a sign up, no room in his own nation. At the inn that he came to, no room for Mary and Joseph. We find as you look through his ministry, you find people rejecting him, rejected by his nation, rejected by those he came to. It tells us in, in the book of Luke, it tells us that it says he wept over the city of Jerusalem because they did not realize the time in their visitation. They were in a moment of opportunity as a nation to encounter their Messiah that they'd waited for hundreds of years and they missed their moment. And that was why he wept. He wept because they missed the opportunity that they had. They missed the season in time that God had given them. They missed the opportunity. And he knew a consequence of missing opportunity is that this terrible loss eventually afterwards. Because 70 years later, the city was overthrown and the, the loss to that nation of Israel was immense. They were scattered to the nations of the earth. There's always a cost when we miss the very best God has for us. We may not see it immediately. They didn't see it for 70 years, but it was there and it was real. Okay then, so we want to carry on and we've talked a little bit about making room for God, about what room are you making in your life of the Lord and, and as a church for three weeks we're making special room to make the focus on Jesus. So we're not having lots of meetings, although people will be getting ready for the coming year. We want to focus our attention on Jesus Christ, making him the center of what we're thinking about and looking to for leadership this year. So it's always a choice. And I share with you some ways you can make room for God. Number one, and this is what we're really focusing on right now, is making a relationship with Jesus your first priority. In other words, making time and attention to come into the presence of God. The second thing we talked about was setting faith goals. You know, God can't inhabit if you don't give him something to work with. So we need to actually set clear goals for the year. Faith goals are goals that come out of praying, listening to God. They come out of the desires and dreams of our heart, what we want our future to be like. Don't be passive and wait for your future to unfold. Begin to help create your future by planning it and working with God on it. The third thing we said was speaking faithful words. When you speak faithful words, when you speak the word of God, when you speak positively, when you begin to acknowledge good things, you make room for God to work in your life. Complain and become negative, you make room for demons. So what are you making room for this year? Are you making room for God or making room for wicked spirits? Making room for things to be built or making room for things to be torn down? We make choices on these matters. And we talked about another one was cultivating vital relationships. We found that relationships can link you to what God has planned or they can take you out of it. Therefore, it's important you look at your relationships. Am I being linked towards the things God has or are there things, people, and are there relationships I need to let go of because that was for another season of my life? And I'm now in a new season with new connections and new things that God is taking me forward into. And then we saw how uh, the fifth key I gave was, it was stepping out of the comfort zone, how we need to actually look at where this year I will actually come out of what I'm comfortable with and begin to start to take on fresh challenge that would stretch me so I need God. You don't want to plan your life so you don't need God anywhere. We need to be big dreamers and big people on the inside so that we need God or it won't come about. 
puts a challenge around, it puts a demand in the spirit, it actually makes room for God to come. And then we saw also how we need to pursue personal breakthrough. Whatever area in your life that you've been struggling with, whatever area in your life that you've been wrestling with, and, and as the last, at the end of last year came, we felt many, many people, uh, God suddenly surfaced things that you hadn't gotten over. You get angry and you realize it's way beyond what's actually happening. It's something you're drawing on an unresolved conflict. So if we have unresolved issues in our life, going back to our family or uh, people hurting us or some kind of deal, then we need to, we need to face it. When you, when you deal with that stuff, you make room for God to do new things in your life. And inevitably, to go forward, you've got to let go something. Okay, today I want to talk about something else. Another key, I want to talk about fasting. Fasting with focus. Fasting with focus. Not just fasting with just giving up a few meals, but we're talking about having a focus in it. So the first thing to realize is fasting releases God's presence and power. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. Matthew 6, verse 16 to 18. Now when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites and look sad. So if you're fasting, don't have a long face and look me, look, you know, and get grumpy and, and you know, and declare to everyone, oh, I'm doing a fast, you know. Uh, see, it says they just figure their face. Their, their motive in fasting was for everyone to see how spiritual they were. He said, don't be like that. He said, and he said, because they've got their reward. He said, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. In other words, put on a, an outward appearance that's bright and, 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 and you're not giving away that inside there's something really deep and meaningful going on. In other words, it's not about people, it's about solely about God. So you don't need to tell anyone what you're doing in terms of fasting unless you need to be held accountable. We don't need to make out some big deal about it, we just need to do it. And you notice now, here's the key thing I want to show you in this, and, and uh, it says here, and it says, it says, uh, you when you fast, anoint your faces, that you appear not to men to fast, but unto your Father in second. Now here's the key thing here, that your Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. Now you notice here, we're talking about fasting making room for God. Something you did that resulted in God doing something outside. You did something hidden, no one saw, and then everyone saw what God did. So that the thing is, we look around and we see God blessing someone, we've got no idea how long they fasted. You want to ask Ian how long he's fasted to get breakthroughs like he has. They're one day and three. Last year, I think it was. So, in other words, because of a clear, this is what I want from God, and I won't let go till I break through. So, fasting is one way we can make room for God. The Bible's very clear when you fast in secret, you make room for God to touch your life and your circumstances outwardly. So, we want to think about that. I don't want to get in a big, heavy thing about fasting. I want to enjoy this whole thing. As I was thinking about it, the problem with our life is it becomes cluttered. And I've had this terrible feeling of being cluttered lately. I looked around the house, clutter. Had everyone here for, for weeks and, you know, and clutter. I cannot stand clutter. I can't even work with clutter. It's a terrible thing. But our lives can be cluttered. Let me give you a definition of clutter and then see if you can think about yourself. The word clutter means to fill with litter or have things in disarray. Messy, in other words. Ever been into a cluttered room? There's stuff on the shelves. There's stuff on the floor. There's stuff you know, squeezing out of the drawers, you know, the, the, the cupboard door won't even close. You get in there and you can't even fit everything on there. It's all sort of on the floor and falling out. You open the door, it's all out there. It's cluttered. Everywhere you go, there's something there. Clutter. Uh, it's a state of, or condition of confusion and chaos. So I wonder how many people, if you were just to look physically around your environment, is cluttered. Stuff 
stuff. We get stuff. After a period of time, we get stuff, and then we get cluttered. When you get cluttered, it's a mess. So the, the word clutter means a mess. Here's another, here's another word, meaning for the word clutter. If you were operating a radar, and you were looking at the radar to see incoming uh, planes, or if you were looking at a spiritual radar to see what God is wanting to bring, Okay? The word clutter is used to describe all the little flecks and bits and pieces that stop you locating the incoming target. Isn't that interesting? Clutter. It, dis- it just disorients you, confuses you, so you can't focus on what you really want to focus on. So clutter. So we need to get rid of clutter in our life. Maybe it's a physical thing, just you get your room all organized, and uh, some have had to do that. We could have an investigation of the youth. We could have a sign-up, clutter-free zone. See? I wonder if that would apply to your... You could put on your bedroom, clutter-free zone. And we could open up and say, my God, another miracle. No clutter. I don't know what happens in teenagers' room, but they explode with stuff. And not only that, it starts to creep out the door and it's down the hall and it starts to invade the whole house. Till after a while, it's from the doorway right through the house up to their bedrooms, everywhere. Clutter. It invades everyone else as well. So we need to do some clutter-free year. How about that? Tell someone, you need to unclutter your life. Unclutter your life. (laughs) So fasting's not about manipulating God or trying to make God do something. Fasting's about making ourselves more sensitive to God. It's positioning ourselves for God to move. It's not a substitute for obeying God. We've still got to listen, do what God says. But fasting is a way to unclutter our life. How about that? Increase our sensitivity and unclutter our life. Because the moment you try and pray, of course, you'll find that you'll find how much clutter you've got. Some people's minds are cluttered. You try and talk, they can't focus for any length of time. They're all over, cluttered. It's just full of stuff. You listen to them, you hear them talk about it. See, so fasting is a way of centering our life on Christ and uncluttering our life so that the things which are important are the things we pursue. The world and everything around is a place of chaos. Being a kingdom man or a kingdom representative means we bring order over what's in our life and then what's around us. So if you're going to be a representative for Christ, he brings order into chaos. When Jesus came, he came to bring order into chaos. He became to bring a kingdom into being. He came to take the chaos that is this world and the lives in this world and to bring divine order. And so he said, pray thy kingdom, thy will, thy order come into, li- into the world. So God's wanting to bring order into our life, to align us with himself. So fasting is a way of how, fasting, the core of fasting is really, it's meant to change how I live, how I relate to God and to others. And it's meant to increase my influence on the people and the circumstance around me. So it's to bring an air to God and bring an, a, a result. So we want to focus. And here's where the word focus. The word focus means this, to center your attention on one point or to bring something into clear detail by adjusting your eyesight. To focus means to bring something into clear detail by focusing your eyesight. So for us, what we want to do for about three weeks is to bring our relationship with God, His presence and His direction into clear detail. You don't want to get to the end of your year and you did lots of things 
but not much of them counted eternally and nothing much of it was what God really wanted you to do you would have wasted your year so you don't want to have a busy year you want to have a productive year and have a productive year it must be focused so I'm feeling the Lord speaking to my own heart get rid of clutter and focus eh? so fasting is to position ourselves so we become conscious of the clutter and get rid of it and we begin to start to focus our life on the things that will really count now anyone here is a parent and you've got several kids you've got a house you've got a mortgage you know what clutter is you are an expert on clutter sometimes it just seems like you, you spend all day to get rid of the clutter and then there it is it's back again but actually spiritually our lives are the same and so it takes an effort to deal with clutter and to get focus in our life and so over these three weeks we start to center our focus on the Lord and then what we want to do is we want to push for breakthroughs and then begin to believe that God will actually impart and help us through the coming year and bring enlargement in our life. That's a good thing. Notice what it says in Matthew chapter 6 and it tells us here, let's see if I can find it now, he will reward you openly. So no one will see you fasting. When you walk out of here, I won't see whether you fasted. No one around you except those who live with you will see whether you fasted or whether you did a decent fast or whether you nibbled your way through the fast. But God will see. So you know what we will see? We will see what God did for you. That's what we'll see. We'll see the change that took place. God will reward you openly. So we wouldn't see what you did privately. What we'll see is what happened outwardly over the course of the year because you focused on God and started to center your heart on Him. Isn't that good? See, so at the end of the year, we want to have a lot of you able to say, man, you want to see what God did for me this year? I say, I've already seen it. Boy, you look awesome. You know, what God's done in your life is amazing. It breakthroughs, things change, lots of things happen. Boy, you've really come focused. I've seen some of you really, you've changed so dramatically that, that it's, you, you just become a testimony for the power of God to shift people. So, so let's not stay where we are. Let's move. Amen? Okay, let me give you examples from some people who, who were rewarded for fasting. Remember, this is, that word reward means to give you something you're entitled to. So when you're fasting, remember this, that you are preparing yourself for something from God. You're positioning yourself for a reward. Reward means you're entitled to something. So when you're fasting, don't just you know, get hungry and mean and irritable and cranky and depressed and tired. I know all that goes with it at parts of it. But uh, get beyond that and keep thinking of the purpose of it. Keep thinking, God will reward me. For last year, I had in my diary almost all of the year, every day when I turned my diary on, it had uh, God as a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Rewarder, rewarder, rewarder. What's good? Reward, reward, reward. You've got to do something to get a reward. Okay, then, let's just give you a couple of examples of people. Here's one of them in Acts chapter 10, verse 30 and 31. Acts 10, verse 30 and 31. Now, this is a guy, Cornelius, and Cornelius got rewarded. He got rewarded. Look at this. God spoke to him and said, in verse 30, Cornelius said, this is what he said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. So he's fasting quite, a, he's quite intense fasting. And he said, and at the ninth hour I was praying in my house. So he's fasting and he was praying. And he said, and then an angel appeared. Whoa. And the angel spoke to him and said, Cornelius, your prayer is heard. So prayer and fasting has made room for God to move. And not only that, but is giving. I won't touch on that at this stage. We'll look at that perhaps later in the year. But uh, giving makes room for it. And he coupled his praying and his fasting and he gave to God. 
So he, he had prayer and fasting and giving, and, when, and God was looking around, and God was, he'd, he'd moved generation after generation in the Jews, and now he's about to pour his spirit out on the Gentiles, and guess who's the first to get the Holy Ghost? Guess who's the first to get God's blessing? Well, the man who prayed and fasted and gave to God. That was the man who got the best. Now, we can read in the Bible... It doesn't read our name because we live in the 21st century, but it does mention the name of a man, and it doesn't mention many other names in that generation. It mentions the name of a man who prayed, fasted, gave, and it tells us as he was doing this, God sent an angel to him. He had an encounter with God. He received an anointing that changed his household, changed his life, and changed history. That man, as he prayed and fasted, never realized he would be the turning point in history when God poured his anointing out over uh, Gentile people, people and non-Jews. He was the first of us to get the Holy Ghost. The first of us. We're the Gentiles. He was the first of us to get it. And he was a man who prayed and fasted. See, here's another example, Acts chapter 13, verse 2 through to 4. And so we see that the, when we fast, we can expect that God will come and minister to us in some kind of way and pour a, an anointing of a spirit for the things he has for us. But we've got to be willing to position ourselves for that. Notice here the same thing happens in Acts chapter 13. It says, verse 2, they ministered to the Lord and they fasted. So there's some leaders in the church in Antioch and they are ministering to the Lord. That means they're having a time of worshipping God. They're, they're t- having a time of being in love with him. They're, they're dancing before him. They're expressing their love for him and they were fasting. And they were at the point of another transition. You'll find in the Bible, often major transitions took place when there was fasting. I could go one after the other through the Bible. I won't do that, but I, you search for it. Look up fasting, fasted, fast in your, in your concordance, and then have a look at the number of people where when they fasted, there was a major transition took place. And so what happened was, they were praying and they were fasting, and then God spoke to them. So one of the things happens when you pray and fast, expect God to speak to you. Expect God to touch your life. And this is what God spoke to him. He he began to identify, he began to say, this is the time of your commissioning. This is the time of anointing you to do something that I've had in your heart. Now, Paul knew what God had spoken to him, but he'd had years of preparing, and now he was launched, he broke out in his ministry. So when he fasted and prayed, this was the point of breaking out. What a great thing if some of us or all of us this year, could break out. Whoa! Break out! Now, you read in the rest of the Bible all the great things that Paul did. But that was the turning point. He broke out. Interesting thing is, too, that the church of Antioch became from that point the center of what God was doing. God was no longer centering around Jerusalem where the Jews were, he centered around Antioch, which consisted of people from many nations, and it was a mission-minded church. It was an apostolic church that sent people out into nations. So when they fasted, God launched people out into the things he had already spoken to them and already got them prepared for. I wonder how many people this year, you have been preparing, you know God's put things in your heart, 
You've done the study of the Word of God. You've been preparing in secret. And this season of fasting for you could be a time of breaking out and having impact and influence you haven't had before. But if you haven't done the preparation, well, then you'll have to start back at square one, class one, instead of graduating. See, God calls us. Then there's a preparation work. Then there's a commissioning and release. We just want to move from God called me to one, I want to do it now. And actually, usually the preparation work has to take place. But anyway, this, see what happened. I'll give me a couple of others. There's one in Ezra chapter 8, verse 21 to 23. Notice each of these, Cornelius was rewarded. Paul was rewarded. Notice in Ezra 8, verse 21 to 23, Ezra's facing a major crisis. He's got to lead a group of people and a whole lot of uh, finances and families. He's got to lead them out of Babylon and lead them back to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem. And he faces the danger of lots of, uh, of being ripped off, of, be, of armies coming against them. They were, they, they were in peril of their lives. And so it says, we fasted and sought God for a way for us, for our little ones, and for our possessions, our property. In other words, they were fasting for direction for their families and for their finances. And it says, we entreated God. He was entreated of us. In other words, God heard them and gave them what they wanted. They got a safe journey and they got success in what they were doing. I wonder how many people this year, you're at a point where you need to focus and begin to start to pray and look to the Lord. What are you wanting to do in my marriage? What are you wanting to do in my family? What are you wanting to do in my finances? And you begin to seek God for direction and for his favor over your life. These people did it, and it was a turning point in history, in the, in the history of the Jewish people. Here's another one, Luke 4 and verse 14. It tells us Jesus, after a season of fasting, returned in the power of the Holy Ghost. Notice now, before he had the season, there was no power around his life. After the season, the miraculous begin to happen around his life. So if we want to see the miraculous happen, we need to fast. Fasting prepares the way for heaven to open up for us. Oh, somebody needing breakthroughs or miracles, fasting coupled with prayer and giving is a way of getting it. Do the work, get the reward. Say, Jesus was rewarded for his season fasting. Israel was rewarded for his season fasting. See, Cornelius was rewarded for his season fasting. Notice also tells us in Matthew 17, 21, that when the disciples couldn't cast out a demon out of this little boy and say, what's the reason? He said, because of your unbelief, this kind comes out only with prayer and fasting. Now, Jesus didn't suddenly have a fast. He was already in a fasting, praying lifestyle, and he had authority to break these bondages. There are some of you who have problems and bondages in your lives that will only go with fasting and prayer. You've just actually got to give yourself to fasting and prayer to get the breakthrough. And Jesus made it very clear that some kinds of problems only change when there's prayer and fasting. So what about this year? We begin to believe and expect together through our season of prayer and fasting that there will be a release of the voice of God into our lives individually and corporately that there will be an enlargement and release of people in areas they've never been released for, that there will be blessing in marriages and families and breakthroughs and finances, that there will be a release of power to get breakthroughs and bondages, and that we'll start to see some greater things happen through us in the community. See, our, our fasting needs to have focus. 
Not just, I did away, I did away with a few meals, you know. <laughs> so each person had a focus. They had something they came to God for, and each person had a reward. And that's what I want to see in our fasting, is we have a clear focus and a clear reward. So, of course, now let's have a look at what it means to fast with focus. And, I, and uh, most of you are familiar with fasting. You know there's a full fast where we, uh, the normal fast, where we just give up food for a season of time and have liquids. There's a, uh, the absolute fast where you uh, give up everything, food and drink. You don't do that too long or you will pass out. And uh, then there's a, a partial fast where we give up one kind of food or one meal or two meals or maybe a certain kind, one meal a day or one day a week. It's like a partial fast. So now, what you do is up to you, you know. And uh, if you've got a problem with your health and, 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 and not having the right kind of food is a problem for you, then you have to adjust your fast accordingly. See? So if you've got a problem or an issue and you, uh, you, know, you have a problem with food and you just don't eat food or you chuck food, well, then for you to go on a fast is not a good move at all. You need to fast something else that will afflict your soul. The whole purpose of it is to actually just uh, deny something or stop doing something that we might discipline the soul. It brings the soul under discipline. It hurts you a bit to fast. You know, you get a bit hungry or you, you feel longings for this food. And then the longings go and then it begins to center on the Lord. For some of you, it might be a computer. You need to fast off that. For some of you, might need to get off the internet. For some of you, might need to fast off texting for a day or two. You know, there's a whole lot of things we can become addicted in the soul to that you need to get off. Some of you, soap operas, ah! need to get off them. I've heard of people running home just so they could watch what was on TV. Come on now, what are you doing that for? See? And it's almost like their life is disrupted if they miss this next episode. That's an addiction. You don't, if you want your life to be free this year and be focused on the Lord, you, you want to have Him first. See? And so all you've got to do is just give up that program for three weeks. My goodness, your soul will scream. <laughs> what happened? Someone tell me what happened. I need to know what happened. I need to know what happened. No, you don't need to know. It's all an illusion. Come on, this is real. This is the real life, you know. This is the real life. You know, your problems don't go away when you watch that thing on TV. Whatever it might be, you know. Dangerous housewives or, you know, prison break or some kind of thing, you know. <laughs> Whatever. I know you've got some stuff. I've heard, I've heard enough. I've been surprised, actually. It's, it's what gets in. See, so what you feed on, you become addicted to. Okay, then. So let me just give you a few simple practical things if you're going to fast. In Matthew 6, verse 22, Matthew 6, verse 22, it's a very simple principle related, and it applies in many areas of life, but here it applies in the area of fasting. Very, very simple. I'll just give you some simple keys. The light of the body is the eye. If your eye is single or focused, your whole body is full of light. If we're going to do something, do it and be focused. Some people can't focus easy because they're scattered in the soul. What we need to do is become quite clearly focused. So, uh, so let me give you some practical things in the fasting area. Now, they're very simple things. Number one, have a clear purpose. Have a clear purpose. Write down on your notebook, your journal, or your diary somewhere, why are you doing this? What do I want as the outcome? What am I fasting for? Be specific. Have a clear focus. What am I doing this for? Is it a personal breakthrough? What is the breakthrough? Is it a sin issue, a habit issue? Is there an addictive issue? Is there a bondage issue? Is there something I'm needing a breakthrough in? Write it down. See it in front of you. Here's the second. Establish some clear steps in the fast. Clear steps. What food are you going to give up? Write it down. How long are you going to give it up for? Write it down. Get it on paper in front of you. You can read it every day then. This is what when I was sane and in my right mind and hearing God I decided to do. 
when your stomach is yelling, screaming, and you just feel like hell on earth, and you don't even, that reminds you of what you decided when you were sane. Say, Okay, so, so it just helps you if you've written it down. Uh, how long are you going to fast? When will it start? When will it end? Now, what you, you'd be amazed if you have a clear purpose and you actually write down what you're going to do, when you start, when you end, how suddenly the fast becomes focused. It gets, otherwise, it gets woolly. Oh, well, I may sort of just may just a little, you know, but here and there. Just, come on, get focused. Get focused on this thing, okay? Here's another thing you need to establish a place. If you haven't already done so, get a clear place and time to meet with God. Fasting without prayer, time with God, is like just going without a meal because you're busy. You know, a lot of people go without a meal because they're busy. They just don't eat lunch or don't eat breakfast or whatever. That's not fasting. That's just going without a meal. To fast, fasting needs to be coupled with prayer. I'm having time with God time to pray. Now, of course, if you're in family, you've got to have a family meal together. If you're a mother, it's hard because all the kids leave these scraps and those scraps, because someone's got to do something about them. And so you eat them, you know. So it's, you've got to work it out with your family what to do there. And uh, whether you're going to eat with the family for the night meal, but just miss the other meals or how you'll do it. So, but establish a time and a place to meet with God and then plan out how you're going to work the time. When you get there to have that time, take some of your time to just worship. Listen to music, worship music. Plan the time. Don't just, otherwise, you'll just feel, all you'll think of is, I'm hungry. I'm so hungry and miserable. Of course you'll be hungry. Of course you'll be miserable. Your body is reacting to having no food. Your body is being placed, uh, is being given notice. You're not going to rule my life anymore. And so it starts yelling and it starts fussing. Your stomach rumbles and grumbles and you feel this deep cavern and you're sure you're going to die. You feel weak and you feel tired. See, so you need to have a very clear plan. So go in, and this is my plan. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to spend some time just loving Him, play some worship music, just listen to the worship music, just worship Him. Make Him the center of the time. Don't worry about whether you're hearing something or not hearing something. Just make the time to worship. Remember, you are plowing open something and you are sowing into your spiritual life. Spend time reading the Word. I usually just have music playing, very soft. I don't have lots of loud, racky music. Uh, like we're, uh, when I love the stuff we're, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I'm actually doing this thing with God, what I'll do is have some worship music. Not all music's very good. So find some that are anointed. Terry McAlman's very anointed. Other musicians, some of them are very anointed. And when you play their worship music, it just seems to open your heart and your spirit. And so you play that while you're reading the Word. Once you pray in tongues as you read the Bible, you'll, find, you'll be amazed as you pray quietly in tongues, just reading the Bible, how your whole inner man just starts to come alive and energized. So, so do it for a season. Get up and move around and walk around. And maybe if you're feeling there's nothing more to pray for, you've prayed everything and five minutes is gone. Well, then lie down and just begin to worship the Lord. Begin to reverence Him. Begin to tell Him you love Him. Take a, take a psalm and begin to pray the psalm out loud. But you need some structure to that time or it will just not work out. And then be prepared for reactions. Be prepared for reactions. Now, there will be reactions. Your body will react. Your body will react Terribly, It gets tired. You just feel exhausted. You've done nothing. You haven't got out of bed. You're exhausted already. You know, you, you get very tired and you can get headachey. Just drink lots of water. water. Uh, take a, a plan that you're going to have a little bit of a rest. Now, of course, if you're a full working day, well, you can't fast all day. You're going to have to work out when to fast. Maybe it's best if you have breakfast and then leave the night meal. And uh, then, you know, you're, oh, but I can't leave the night meal. Yes, you can. Of course you can. You won't die. What you will feel is irritable. You, you, you become in your soul irritable. <laughs> you become, that's just what's happening is you're going off food. You just become a little bit of irritable. And so try to avoid being irritable with people around you. 
you know, your loved ones. And they think you're trying to be so spiritual and you're attacking everyone around you. They think, please don't fast anymore. You become a monster. So we don't want that. So, so just try to be careful in your connections with people. That's why if you can get time alone and cut down the busyness with people, unnecessary chatter on the phone and running around here and there, uh, you'll, feel pr- you'll also feel alone. Suddenly you feel this aloneness. You know why you feel very alone? Because what's happening is you're now fasting off all the busyness of life and suddenly become aware you've used all the busyness to cover up the fact you've been alone for years. Now you become aware of it. That's good because you want to redirect your aloneness towards meeting with God instead of actually just getting busy doing something. TV is a huge distractor for emptiness. When we're empty, switch it on. See? Because it's emptiness. But what's really needed is to recognize I'm empty. That won't fill me. What I need to do is I need connection with God. So you feel those kind of things. You may feel other things as well. You may feel uh, uh, a tremendous pressure come on you. Uh, you may feel great discouragement. What's the use? What's the use? God never answers my prayers. Oh, now you just get a demonic attack coming on your life, you see? So fasting is an act of warfare that makes room for God to move. It's not without its difficulty. So don't be disheartened if you're going through difficulty. Write out what I've shared. Approach it like I've shared. Share it with someone, what you're doing and why you're doing it. That'll help keep you going. Okay? So they'll give you some practical things. How long should you do it? Well, you've got to work that one out. Here's the last thing you need to do. Keep a journal. Keep a journal. Write down things that you read, things that you feel are drawn to in the Word of God, uh, insights you find about yourself. You may even write a letter to God. Begin, but just keep a journal where you write down what's been happening or what your prayers were that you're asking God. You might be surprised how over a period of time you'll go back to that and realize, flip, God was trying to talk to me. I just wasn't used to listening to Him. Okay, so there's some very, very simple things. Now, the Bible says very clearly, if you fast in secret... God will reward you openly. Okay? Now, I'll just finish. I've got about, I'll just in about three more minutes. And I just want to share with you one other area of the fasting. If you are fasting for a personal breakthrough, a personal breakthrough. In other words, there's some kind of thing. It's a bad habit, a sin, some kind of issue around your life. That's going to take a little bit of aggression in your fasting. I'll give you a few simple things. Number one, identify what it is. Name what it is that you're trying to get breakthrough in. I'm irritable. I'm, uh, you know got a bad habit. I'm addicted to television, whatever it is. Just write it down. Write it down. This is what I want to get breakthrough in. Number two, you need to renounce control. You need to renounce ungodly control. Father, I just can't, I renounce the control this thing's got over my life. I need to acknowledge that, see? Father, I renounce the control this thing's got over my life. I confess to you today this thing has controlled my life. I'm not what I should be. I'm not what you want me to be. Lord, I'm living below the purpose you have for me. My life's in bondage to this thing. This is not who I am. I'm not, I'm not called to be like that. I'm called to be a man of God, a woman of God. I'm not called to live under the... Lord, I just renounce the control this thing has on my life. I'm going to speak words against that thing. Speak it out from your spirit. Eh? See, you need to acknowledge, you need to acknowledge pride. Because most bondages are, is a form of pride, self-idolatry. Lord, I just confess my pride to you. And Lord, I've just been lived in deception for so long, thinking this thing would be a great blessing for me. But actually, the thing is really stolen from me. Eh? And we, we think we're doing good with it, but actually it's stolen from us. We're actually blind to its effects. The Bible says the wages in his debt. There's no exception. You're doing something wrong, you're paying a price. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm paying a price. Listen, that's what deception is. 
If you're sinning, there's a price you're paying. You can't see it. But if you'll acknowledge, Lord, there's a pride in my life. I'm sending on myself. Lord, I should do I renounce that thing. Lord, I, this has deceived me. I thought there was life in it. But really, your word is true. The wages of sin is death. I'm acknowledging and I'm agreeing with what you say. Okay? Then sometimes as people, we need to forgive to just get over the bitterness that got us locked in there. So God will show you people you need to forgive. People you, They'll suddenly come to mind. And they might even suddenly turn up and you meet them suddenly and you feel this reaction coming. You're not whole. You need to deal with it. Lord, I need to acknowledge how angry I am and forgive that person. I need to release them now. Then you may need to actually contend with the thing in the spirit. Now, how do you contend with it? Well, a lot we could share. But let me just give you a couple of simple keys. One thing is to actually stand up in the spirit, in prayer, pray in time, stand up. I take dominion over that thing. I declare the blood of Jesus Christ has broken its power. So begin to confess what God has done for you. Confess what the power of the blood has done. The blood of Jesus Christ has broken that sin. It has canceled its power. I declare it canceled in Jesus' name. And picture the blood breaking that sin off your life. Get a scripture that shows your victory and meditate in it. Yes, that's me. Walking in victory. Thank you, Lord. So if you're Fasting for breakthrough, it will require more aggression in your prayer, more assertiveness, because you actually have to take the Word of God and use it against the enemy, coupled with the fasting. So the fasting intensifies and sends a clear message, I mean business. And you can stand on this promise. What you may find initially is it gets a little worse. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> gets a little worse. It always gets a little worse. Seems like it's blown out of control. There you are. I've got this great idea. I'm going to fast for a breakthrough. You start fasting for a breakthrough. So, ah, it's worse than ever. Good. You're in a warfare. Take the word of God like a slashing sword. Contend. Take the blood of Jesus Christ and hold it over that thing. Declaring its power broken. Speak and tell every demon the blood of Jesus Christ broken your power. You must let go. And you will find within a short season, suddenly it shifts and you're free. See? Fasting. And your father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. Fasting makes room for God.